Today, though, um, I'm going to shift. We're going to jump right in to a new series, Winning the War in Your Mind. About seven years ago, I was battling some thoughts in my mind. And one of the tricks of the enemy, I believe, I can see it now, is to make us think we're alone. And the only person in the room battling some thoughts in the mind. I want to encourage you, you're not alone. From time to time, season to season, we will face difficulty in the real estate between our ears. Over the last seven years, I've really uh, been profoundly, profoundly influenced and impacted. It's been an area of study that I've enjoyed, um, and that is the discipline of taking thoughts captive. It's biblical, it's scriptural, but I, um, for much longer than the last seven years, have been a Christian, been a follower of Jesus. Thank the Lord, I um, have some disciplines where I'm in His Word daily, I'm praying daily. And you may be in that boat as well, that you're like, man, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I should be beyond having difficulty in my mind. That may be true, and it may not be true. Because what I do know is the scripture says is that the enemy of our soul, he moves around, he prowls around. Scriptures say, Peter says, like a roaring lion. He's not interested in taking a day off. He's interested in discouraging and disappointing and frustrating our thoughts and our minds. In fact, I was doing a little research this week and found out, all right, this, this is not Christian research. This is just studies have shown that right now in the U.S., over 40 million people are clinically struggling with anxiety. We are an anxious country. We have pressures from the outside. I think about how complicated it is. I can't tell you how many times, I'll, Kelly and I'll be in conversation, and I'm just like, I thank God I made it through high school and college without a iPhone, somebody. I think about all the pressures our teenagers and um, for some of you, your children face. Not only do I thank God for not having an iPhone, I thank God that Facebook had not been invented yet or Instagram or social media. And the pressures of our culture are real. It's not for us to look away or to dig our head in the sand. I mean, that's one way you can tackle life. But I think a better way is to look things in the eye and the reality that we live in and know that God meets us in that place and that there are tools we can use to grow and discipline our hearts and our minds to move in the right direction. I was thinking about not only social media, but I think sometimes about the career evolution. I was hearing somebody talk about that this past week, that you know... Um, in this room, we have every generation represented. Well, it, even for me and the generations ahead of me, life wasn't that complicated in the sense that you, you went to school. For many, you went to college or you went to trade school. And then what did you do? You got a job and you were set. Culture and society has complicated things. 
Young adults sometimes are graduating with so much debt that they're going to be landing in a job that will never be available to pay that off or to even sustain the career they're in. Not only that, you add the influence of the comparison trap, which has only grown and grown and grown to such a degree that many people, um, one of the underlying themes in our souls is that we never measure up. And then we have a little bit of downtime, so we're going to chill. We're going to rest. So what do we do? We do two things. We watch Netflix. Not you. People outside of here. So we watch Netflix, and then we get on social media at the same time. And so while we're entertained here, we continue to feel unworthy here as we scroll and realize the cookies we made were not as good as the cookies other people made. Or they got that new job we wanted. Or they got that raise we thought we deserved. You know the comparison trap. It's a very real situation. It's a very real circumstance. And I think it's one of the tools that the enemy floods our souls with. FOMO. You familiar with the term FOMO? It's the fear of missing out. It's one of the baits, one of the traps of the enemy. And how does he do it? Does he do it in real time? No. I think it's out in the air, so to speak, in the spiritual realm. That he floods our minds to get us, listen, to get us into an anxious state. So seven years ago, I was in an anxious state. For me, I'm just talking about me, something Kelly says I'm very good at. <laughs> Yesterday, she was sharing about her, and I have a gift. I don't know what it is. I can bring it right back to me. And then she's like, we're not talking about you right now. And I said, well... <laughs> What a loss. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Where was I? I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. Okay. So seven years ago, we had a new church plant, new leaders, new members. We had a new child on the way. Ten months earlier, moved to a new area, new friendships, a lot of new. And I was swept up in a current of anxiety, but here's the kicker, and negative thinking. I want to do just share truth. Two truths with you. You will have anxiety. But as I hope to today, it's what we do with our anxiety that's the game changer in our life. Physiologically, you need anxiety. You do. But I'll share a little bit later on, hopefully, some tools on how to see it as a gift. I know that sounds crazy. Maybe the farthest thing from your mind. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. I was experiencing a lot of new, a lot of dif differences, a lot of changes, a lot of new people. And maybe you've been there. Maybe for you, you're in a new state. Maybe uh, you're newly married. Or maybe it's a new school year. Or as parents, maybe it's a new school year and some of your kids just went off to school for the first time. Maybe you're in a new career, a new relationship. Maybe you were single and now you're not. Maybe you were married. And now you're not. It's a new season. And with that newness, sometimes, many times, it makes us vulnerable, and that's okay. But it leads us to dwell on thoughts, to dwell in places that if we leave them unchecked, they will have an influence on our soul. And so for me, I'll never forget, the Lord really began. He said, it wasn't like we were in conversation, but what he was saying to me in that season, he says, Paul, this isn't a matter about your salvation. It isn't a matter about your spirituality or your disciplines or having more of me. 
He said, Paul, there's a, there's a muscle, there's a discipline you've really not been practicing. And that is training my mind to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus. I believed, I guess I, guess I could be transparent, I believed a lie. I thought that somehow it was this easy. I once was lost, but now I'm saved. Everything should be easy. I once was lost, but now I'm saved. I'll have no more battles. I once was lost, but now I'm saved. <laughs> the golden brick road before me is paved. The reality is, we're on a journey in Christ. And he invites us many times to lay down areas in our life. One of my favorite parables, it's, a, it's, it's really two lines, very short. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a lady who is baking. And she took a little yeast and began to work it into the dough. And after a while, that yeast made its way throughout the entirety of dough. That's how our journey with Jesus is, is that year upon year, line upon line, as we consistently move forward, not in our striving, but by his grace, that slowly but surely there are areas that maybe we control that we need to surrender. And for me, that was a reality that while I love God, I would have told you, man, I love God with everything I had. <laughs> move to do an area, give our lives for Christ. Planting a new church, focusing doing his will, sharing the love of God, all these desires, all these wants. But what I wasn't realizing is that through the back, back door, so to speak, of my soul, I had let negative thinking take root in my life. And the Lord had to lead me, he had to guide me, he had to slowly but surely begin first off to make me aware of that. I call it a thought audit, where we audit our thoughts. Come on, don't you love being audited? I didn't think so. But it does, it's, think of exam. I was about to say, exam, examination, isn't that an easier word? Don't we love being examined? No, that sounds worse. But a thought audit, I had to begin to take, put like a, 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 a filter in front of me that, that when I would hear others' anxieties or whether I'd hear others' fears or whether I would see things and compete or compare or contrast or whether the enemy was attacking me with the most obnoxious lies, I had to begin to put a filter before me of truth and untruth, of lies and God's word, God's ways, God's will. Because anxiety, as much as we don't want to keep it out there, sometimes it could be very, very real. And in fact, it could cripple our days. And today, please don't misread this. This series is not a silver bullet in a complicated topic. It's a simple message that I hope can equip us in a direction for our lives to go. Science has really shown the power of the mind, the power of our brain. And I learned from a Christian, South African, neuroscientist, 
who had been practicing for several decades before she shared some of her results. But God's word, the truth of who God is, can actually be woven to shift some of the DNA in our brains in a kingdom-centered way. It's remarkable. It's remarkable to think about. For me, the area the Lord had to deal with, I should say, is some of my negative thinking. And so I don't want to propose this is you. I certainly am not projecting any of this on you. But over the years, I've seen how negative thoughts can take root in people's lives. And I don't know about you, but do you ever find yourself thinking things like this? I can't change. Even if I try, I'll always be stuck. I can never get out of debt. I think I've got a slide for this. I can never get out of debt. No matter what I do, I'll always struggle financially. No one really loves me, and if they knew the real me, they'd not want to be in my life. I'm not good at relationships. When we start to grow closer, I always do something to mess things up. People in my family struggle with their weight. I'll never like my body. I can't get close to God. I'm sure it's my fault. There must be something about me that keeps me from experiencing God like others do. What about this one? When I look at what others post on social media, I feel like my life never measures up. What's interesting is the moment, signs would tell us, the moment we have a thought, it's easier to have that thought again. The moment I have a thought, it's actually easier to have that thought again. And a lie can be easier to have again and again and again and again. Think of the way the enemy tries to discourage our hearts. I don't know if you've ever faced this. Have you ever faced this? Life is good. The day is going great. And in a matter of a couple hours... You don't know where, you don't know why, but you're just meh. You're just blah. Not every time. Sometimes it's physiological. All right, we are humans, okay? Sometimes we just need some food. We just need to get our blood sugar up. But sometimes... I've noticed in my life, as I've been practicing and beginning to take negative thoughts captive, I've realized that sometimes it just begins with a false idea about my future. We all have different pressure points. For me, sometimes it's in my future. And it's like, this will never happen. It'll never work out. You need to freak out right now. Fear, 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 false experiences appearing real. That's sometimes for me, but I've met, I've met people that life is good, their relationships are healthy, but they have such a succinct, specific fear of abandonment. Marriage is strong-ish. Family's good. Work is great. Life is good, but the enemy has fostered a sense of abandonment because of their family of origin. Maybe a parent took off too soon, was never faithful or committed. I mean, this is the life we live. Not only is it the life 
we live. It's the life of those around us. And so think about our lives and what we're experiencing, and then we go to work. <laughs> Some of you step into a tremendously anxious environment where your coworkers or your boss just perpetuates anxiety, anxiety, and fear, and doubt, and lies, and it begins to take root in our, in our lives. I'm glad to say the scriptures aren't silent when it comes to our mind, and when it comes to our thoughts, and when it comes to counteracting our untruths that we've let on the inside. Scripture shares with us, again, what am I doing today? I just want to maybe invite you to think about, every pun intended, some scriptures and some direction for your future. I've got a couple verses just to look at. It's from Paul. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 through 4. Paul gives us a little clue, gives us a little understanding into how he tackled his thought life. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. First thought, let me just, let me just share with you. You have a spiritual enemy. And your spiritual enemy is working in the spiritual realm. Many times, behind the scenes, he is intentionally targeting our faith, of course. He's intentionally targeting our lives to cause disunity, discord, to disrupt what the kingdom of God is doing. And in the life of Paul, if you read <laughs> the book of Acts, you'll see the foremost evangelist for the kingdom of God outside of Jesus suffered the most. Everywhere he turned, it was like a new level of distraction, a new level of disappointment. Not only when he church planted, maybe not as many people came as he thought, but then on top of that, he would get drugged out into the streets and beaten with rods. How many of you know that's a very bad day? No, he thought middle school was rough. Read the book of Acts. No. But, but, I, but I say that to say, <clears throat> Paul was facing not just things in the natural, but in the supernatural as well. And he's telling his listeners, he's telling the readers of the Bible, that you got to wake up. you got to be alert. And it's, it's important. That's why it's so important that we show compassion, that we show love, that we show care, that we live unselfishly because everybody is facing a battle. Everybody is facing a difficulty, a disappointment, and I don't care how well our masks fit this morning. All of us are walking through some form of missed expectations, of a, 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 a broken dream or a difficulty of some sort, every single one of us. But here's a beautiful thing, is that Paul says, you're not alone. Paul says God's word is faithful, and you can trust him, no matter what circumstance or difficulty you're walking through. And he's not casual. He walked through the fire, and he's saying here, on the contrary, the Holy Spirit inside of us, the dunamis, as the Greek says, the explosive power of God. Here's where he's going. He's going into 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. I know this may sound a little out there for you, but let me tell you. He says, we demolish 
arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every thought. That was a verse I didn't believe. Until I started practicing taking every thought captive. I would check every thought. It made me deal with areas of my past. Made me deal with areas of my family of origin. And what I mean by that is not just my parents, but my parents, parents, and beyond. Thinking about their journey. Thinking about their life. Understanding. Understanding who... God had wired me to be. Because I realized that despite what our circumstances may say, for most of us, our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. In fact, I mentioned that thought audit. I believe we can bring it up. A thought audit. Talk about worried or peaceful, negative, positive, worldly, eternal. Sometimes when we think... Walk away, walk, walk through me. How do you wake up? How do you wake up? Just think about that for a moment. Are you circling one? Are you circling two? Are you circling three? I'm not saying this in a shameful way. I'm saying this is just the starting place, beginning place. <laughs> y'all are having way too much fun. Would y'all slow down? I would wake up seven years ago before the Lord really, really began highlighting this, pulling me aside, inviting me to begin to capture and to take thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. He began, or I would begin, and I was in that one to three range. Negative? One to three range. When I'd have thoughts of worldly or eternal, probably just because because of where I was, I was more in that 7 to 10 range. But I want you to think about when real life enters, think about this. Everybody in this room, when a financial surprise hits, can we bring that slide back up? When a financial surprise hits, there's a resting place in God. There's a verse in Colossians, chapter 1, says, Christ is holding all things together. There's a loving Heavenly Father who's sitting on the throne of heaven, whose storehouses are vast. And as the Psalms tell us, He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. But I had to begin to practice those truths. So when a financial surprise hits, I remember new church, then we found out, new child. <laughs> and physiologically, I was a little jarred. It was a little, it was a little tense. My worryometer was high. You work into a work, workplace, you found out somebody was talking behind your back. You ever experienced that? How many of you just show hands? Anybody talk behind your back? The rest of you liars? No, I'm kidding. 
It's a very real part of life. But how many, how many of you know? There's a resting place. A battle belongs to the Lord. God can defend me more than I can control and try to defend myself. It's very real experiences in life. So often we can be so consumed mentally that we have our eyes on worldly treasure, worldly things of life that we need to pivot, if you will, to think of the eternal truths, the eternal ways of life. And so, 2 Corinthians, how do you, all right, if you're asking me, which I appreciate, how do you begin to take things captive? Three simple, simple truths. Knowing, naming, diffusing. You're like, did I just step into science class? No. <laughs> Knowing, naming, diffusing. If you haven't been in the message, now's a great time to enter. Okay? Now's a really good time. If you're falling asleep, now's the time to wake up. This is going to be very, very helpful for you. This week, I want you to practice knowing, knowing, naming, and diffusing. Your anxiety doesn't need a proof text. When you're physiologically going down the road and your inner being is discouraged, throwing a verse at it may help. But rooting yourself in that verse... And then doing the hard work, knowing, naming, diffusing. Knowing you're anxious. Knowing it, just recognizing something's off on the inside. I can't tell you where it started, what started it, but my voice is moving a little faster. I'm starting to sweat. My heartbeat's going up, knowing it, knowing just... That something, something happened, jarring, knowing it. And then slowing down calmly. Here's what we do is we take thoughts captive. We become aware. Okay, this is my reality in this moment. There's a financial surprise, hypothetically. There's a surprise with my child. I'm knowing where it's coming from. I'm naming it. I'm doing the hard work, taking the steps. I'm seeing, I'm actually naming it. And then here's what I'm doing by diffusing it. I'm replacing the spirit of the age with the leadership of Jesus Christ in my life. I'm taking a potential lie and now I'm replacing it with the truth of God's word. That's why it's so important we know God's word. I'm taking my old way of thinking and I'm replacing it with the invitation to think anew. Let's not lose sight that the King of Kings is a resurrected King. That the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us and peacefully walks things out in our lives. Most of our culture, most of the climate, most of the relationships perhaps that we engage in People aren't naming their anxiety, so they have no way of diffusing it. Can I tell you, much addiction 
happens because we take pain, anxiety, fear, things the enemy has shared would make us feel good. We claim that and use that as our source instead of using God, his word, his ways, his hope. So we, ha- we have to begin. I know it may seem like some slow, slow work, but it's so important in our daily lives to meet with the Lord. Psalm 139, the end, it says, Lord, search me and know me. See if there is what? Any anxious way within me. And it's so important because, my goodness, I couldn't even tell you. Maybe I'll keep a record and, and, and share next week. Probably not going to happen, but I can't tell you. How many different anxious thoughts flood our minds at any given time? Let alone, all of us are having 30,000 thoughts a day. Come on, pat your back. You're doing great. You made it through Saturday. 30,000 thoughts. You're like, no, I'm convinced. I did not think that much. No, you thought that much. Now, they're not all epic thoughts. I mean, you may be like me. You're just working out. And the thought hits your mind. As you see... The influx of mullets. And you're thinking, oh my God. To stay trendy, I've got to have a mullet? It gets you all anxious again. It gets you panicky. Just kidding. Never had that thought. But I'm just saying. <laughs> or you see what young men wear to work out in. The 80s bathing suits are back. People are running in them. Or life is real, and there's a relationship fracture. And so you were like, no, 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 I don't have any codependency. And then you just realized, oh my God, I am very codependent on that. Or a resource in your life shut down. And you, right now, you have zero understanding of what's going to happen. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Pause. Know it. Don't hide it. Don't put your head in the sand. Don't sweep it under a rug. Know it. This is big. This is difficult. This is surprising. This hurts. Name it, okay? Where's that coming from? And then diffuse it. I'm not asking you to diffuse it. Like, how do you diffuse it? Put on a lava lamp and a diffuser and just... Just try to rest. No, 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 no. I mean, that, <laughs> that may help. Probably not. But I'm encouraging you. I'm encouraging you to meet with the Lord about it. I'm encouraging you this week. We'll have some devotions online through our 21 days of prayer. I encourage you to come tonight for our first of these next three nights where we pray. And I'm encouraging you to pray, to do the disciplined work of not letting your thoughts rule and run your life, but winning the war in your mind through the power of the Holy Spirit and His Word and His truth over your life. So I soak. When I say I soak, man, I let these passages seep deeply into my life because if we're real before God, some of these passages I'm going to read, you're not quite there yet. Some of you are a little unconvinced. Can I tell you something? That's okay. That's okay. There's many things in my life that I've had to speak into existence before they ever came to pass. There's truths I had to say before they ever felt like they were my reality. 
There's things I had to convince my soul over because my feelings, man, they, they ebb and flow. But I began to replace some of these negative thoughts. I, I, I had them. So I, I, I know, oh my God, what's going to happen, Lord? I, <laughs> I can drop from knowing to naming very quickly. But how am I going to diffuse that? I'm saying simple, simple things. Jeremiah 29, 11. And sometimes that's it. Sometimes that is it. It's not complicated. But it's reading. I know the plans I have for you. God, are you convinced? He's convinced. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ. I know you may not feel that. I know you, you're approaching obstacles and you're thinking, man, they're too big. This is too difficult. This has gone on for too long. What I want to invite you into is begin to take those thoughts captive. Begin to take those thoughts captive. Begin to take those thoughts captive. Make them obedient to Christ. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I spent a year with Psalm 23.1. A year with it. Like, God, could you prove this to me? Because <laughs> right now, I don't know. I spent a year. And the Lord just began to open my eyes. I spent a year, y'all, y'all going to be really encouraged. I spent a year with sometimes two words. Seven years ago, my most anxious time, the Lord showed me the Lord's prayer. Showed me daily bread. Because when I looked out on the horizon, I didn't know I had the jitters. The Lord said, that's fine. Just ask me for daily bread. Daily bread, daily bread, daily bread. Slowly but surely, the Lord began to give me the infrastructure in my inner being. I'm telling you, most people, sometimes most, many Christians, they, they do not want anything to do with this. But I want to invite you and I want to encourage you, especially these 21 days, as we go through this series, winning the war in your mind. First recognize, man, everybody is fighting. Facing and fighting a war, a battle. But know that through Christ, we can have his peace. We can have his hope. We can have his calm. Sometimes in the intimacy and in the power of knowing and diffusing, we recognize it's not just a more prayer. It's not just a more Bible. It's not just a more church. Not just a more community. All of those are vital, vital. Hear me loudly say that. But sometimes we just need to talk to a trained professional counselor. That amen was way too soft. Amen. Sometimes we need help. But if we're not careful, here's what we do. We keep busy. We keep busy. We keep busy. We keep busy and we keep competing. We keep competing and we keep trying to earn our way through, and we land up being more exhausted than we ever should have been. And so we need, we need to slow down. This is the slow down work in the walk of God. We need to slow down to begin to know, to begin to name. I heard somebody say, what you name, you can tame. Right? So our hurt, our anxiety, our difficulties, our fears, they're leaking out somewhere. We can know it. We can name it. What we do, we bring that into the light. We submit it to Christ and let his Holy Spirit diffuse it. 
He will lead you, I promise. He will lead you. He will guide you through and forward by His will, by His truth. Amen?